Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. And I'm very excited today to welcome my special guest, Two Feathers. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am Two Feathers. I am a Reiki master, tarot reader, and women empowerment advocate. I am also the chair of a new wellness center that's been founded in Puerto Rico for battered women that is dedicated to systemic change. Um, so I'm very happy to be here to talk about domestic violence, namely verbal abuse. Yes, I'm, I'm actually very excited to have this discussion because I see I see your posts all the time. You're always sharing so much good stuff. And you literally said, like, who wants to talk about verbal abuse? And I was like, I do, because, you know, the whole concept of this you know, this, the show and this pro the program and a lot of the work I do is being a voice for love and how much impact that our, our voice has. And then the damage, of course, that verbal abuse uh, can do. So um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit to begin about maybe, maybe where, how, like, how, where did you get your knowledge from around this? And, or if you want to sure, share I mean, through experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, through experience, you know, um, it wasn't just one time that it happened to me. It happened in about three or four relationships. Um, but it wasn't until recently that I, I realized this pattern. It first started when I was probably about um, 19 years old. And I'm a lot older than that now. <laughs> but uh, it started about when I was like 19 years old. Um, and then I had noticed it continuing throughout other relationships, but again, making excuses for the person and not really wanting to believe that that's what was happening to me, right? Being called a, a piece of shit uh, amongst other um, terms that are completely degrading. Uh, my last relationship that it occurred in was probably the worst out of all of them, which is what really woke me up. I ended up having a miscarriage during that um, relationship, probably a result of the stress that verbal abuse can uh, bring on to you. Miscarriages are actually one of the side effects if you are pregnant during um, an abusive relationship, amongst a lot of other things like anxiety, depression, suicide, gastrointestinal issues, uh, cardiovascular issues, lots, lots of actual physical responses that we have to these types of stressors. Um, so the last relationship I had, um, I was called a lot of things like the C word, slut or prostitute. Um, I was told that my parents should be ashamed of having me, that I'm a shell of a human being and I'll never be anything more than that, um, that people will only take advantage of me. Uh, amongst a lot of things, they stole from my home. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot about power. That's what it's all intended to do. It's, it's intended to make you question your own sense of self, right? 
Um, it's that, that's what I think abuse is about in general. It's about this a power dynamic. It's about power and control. And one of the ways that they can gain control is through verbally attacking you, right? And a lot of times it starts as mocking, right? And they might be like, oh, you're just being sensitive. I'm just joking. Relax. You're overreacting. You're not overreacting. And they'll sometimes attack the things that you're most passionate about or that you believe in the most. Like I'm a poet and they would often, and not just the last one, a few of them would often attack my poetry, attack my intelligence to make me feel dumb. You know, so after having the miscarriage, that was a huge wake-up call as to what was happening to me. It threw me into severe depression for months. Um, I would wake up crying every day. The amount of anxiety I had uh, was through, through the roof. That's what dove me into all the healing modalities that I have um, mastered along the way and are still implementing into my life because without it, I don't know if I would even be here. Wow. And isn't it, it's unfortunate, but also common that a lot of us come to the healing path because of trauma, you know, because of these things that happen. So it's sort of a, the, the blessing is at the end of it, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've been through similar things. And the reason when I saw your post, I was like, yes, like we have to talk about this was because I just sort of had an experience even like in the last week or so where um, things got a little heated with somebody and the words that were coming at me were, you know, they weren't necessarily quite that abusive, but they were a little, you know what I mean? And, and I felt again, that feeling that I had felt in my body when I was with somebody and, and several people as well, like you that were verbally abusive and, I don't know if you do yoga as well, but you, you know, yes. people know, like the chakras, of course, you know about from Reiki, mm-hmm. right? So I remember yeah. somebody told me once that whenever we are actually verbally abused or whenever words are spoken to us, that Sorry. we don't... It's okay. Sorry. It's a, I live in Queens. It's very noisy here. Anyway, I love I, I love I love New York. I love it. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all part of it. It's all this is just it's real. It's live, you know. That's what's happening. We live in urban places. Things happen. Um but what actually so somebody told me this once and it really makes sense to me. It's like you know in the chakras like there's like those little petals like around each chakra like uh that the petals actually wilt when we are abused, the petals actually wilt when these words are said to us. And I can actually feel that because when I have a, you know, a conversation like that with somebody, I I don't even know if I would call it a conversation. It's more like an attack, right? It's like literally like all of the energy centers shut down. Now I can feel that because I'm aware of my own energy after working with like you for many years with energy. Right. But I think a lot of people who don't have that awareness. And then also the problem is, is when it becomes normalized, right? It's like you just get so used to absorbing and taking this abuse and you find ways, I think you said something as well, to justify it, right? Or to just like brush it off or like, oh, it was just, you know? Absolutely. I tried to do that, right? I didn't want to believe that that's what was happening to me. You know, so I even tried talking the person through it. Like, it's okay to be angry, but what I can't do is the name calling. Because I knew, right, like you said, feeling feeling your energy centers shut down. And I would shut down. You almost start to like become numb, but not really. That's your defense mechanism trying to protect you because deep down, you know that you're, it's that feeling of wilting, right? That's what's happening to you. And it's intended to kill your spirit. Like make no mistake about it. A lot of these people who are doing this, they know exactly what they're doing, 
right? So we need to be honest with ourselves about that and not make excuses for, like for this behavior, you know, and the amount that it happens is alarming as an alarm goes by. Amazing. So it's like there are statistics, right? That there, like one in four women experience abuse, right? One in four women will experience abuse. There are about 20,000 calls per day to domestic violence hotlines. 20,000 calls per day. That's about 20 people per minute. So it's a lot more prevalent than like people think, right? And it starts off as verbal abuse a lot of times. And eventually it could become physical, which is what, that's why we want to try to notice the patterns before it ever gets there. That's why I think this conversation is really important. You know, for me, um, I was blamed for it. That happens a lot too. You get blamed for the abuse. Like, oh, look what you made me do. That's, that used to be said to me all the time, especially in the last relationship. They were like, oh, nothing happens without a reason. Uh, you made me say that. I'm acting that way because of you. No, your actions are your choice. And we need to start holding people accountable for the way that they treat us, right? But then we also have to hold ourselves accountable for what we're allowing, Bingo. And that's, that is a, that is a really tough one because, you know, we can go into, we can go into victim mode and we have to acknowledge that we are a victim. And yet we also have to say, okay, at a certain point there's healing, as you know, there's like many layers to this, to this healing process. Right. But there is a point where we have to look at how did I contribute to this or how did I play my role in this, which may just have been taking it and allowing it without walking away. And that can be tough because a lot of us, you know, if we grew up in a home where we experienced verbal abuse or any kind of abuse or had a narcissistic parent or anything like that, again, all of these things become normalized. So we just think it's normal. People are going to manipulate me. People are going to lie to me like, oh, I can take it. I've taken it before. Like, I remember at one point I thought I was almost like strong, like looking back on it now, I could see how sick I was in my own mind, but I was like, look how strong I am. I can take all of this. Like I can have handle all of it now I'm like wow like sure I can but is that was that good for me was that healthy for me like no it wasn't and now after being out of it I know how many years it took to I mean there's still layers of healing going on but you know the major layers of healing took many many years to heal from so the damage that takes place you don't realize it at the time this is the thing right I'm sure you're aware of this as well we don't always see and feel the full effects of the damage until later and maybe by the time we've been you know it's very common with narcissistic people where at some point you know if we don't leave them they will you know just leave you one day like a you know when they're done with you that's it they discard you and they discard you yeah, because they're, they've broken you, right? And once they've completely broken you, they're like, oh, nothing left to do here. See you later. I'm going to go get my next victim. And then you're sitting there going like in the rubble going, what happened, right? Oh, 100%. That's kind of what, what happened to me. I tried to leave the relationship first. Um, and, you know, they do the whole hoovering thing. So they'll come back around just to make sure that they can still have you right when they want but the whole time they're looking for somebody else anyway they're looking for other supply right um and they'll they'll definitely discard you and the abuse gets worse as the discarding thing is starting to happen you know like it started off as the, as the c word or started off as saying i hate you that's how it started first and the excuse was oh i was after a few drinks i didn't mean it 
right? That's how it started. Then it became the C word. Then it became all the other things that I already mentioned. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse um, to the point where I didn't really even have to do anything um, in order to be spoken to that way. It could be as simple as I was taking a nap and I didn't text them early enough, right? And so then they'd automatically start attacking me verbally, um, calling me a thirst trap if I put a picture up of myself on my own social media. Whereas we know I'm a poet, a writer, right? I do a lot of things publicly on social media in order to reach people. This is part of what um, I do. And they started to attack that. Their, their main thing was to crush me. Basically, they didn't want to see me flourish. They didn't want to uh, see me grow. And I was bewildered as I couldn't believe that this was really happening. Because again, this was somebody that I had trusted for years before we embarked on a romantic relationship across that line from friendship to uh, romantic. And it didn't really hit me how I was being treated until much later, like you said, like the miscarriage that was of their child as well, they threw that in my face. Um, they told me that it was, they were glad that it happened because I would have been a terrible mother on my birthday. That was my birthday message. Uh, and they said it to me multiple times, like, like things like that. And they knew that that was a sore, sore point for me, right? As somebody who's a bit older, having gone through that experience, um, so they made sure to use it as a weapon, right? Um, another relationship I had while my mother was dying, that person would often throw that in my face, telling me that, oh, I'm acting like my whole life is stopping to just get over it. It's weird that I'm, I'm putting myself in the middle of something I have no business doing because I was trying to help my mother holistically, right? Things like that, just totally messing with my mind, trying to make me doubt myself, um, and doubt the way that I was perceiving situations, right? They'll do that. That's it's a gaslighting. We all know what that is, right? Gaslighting. They're making you question your own sanity and the experience that you're having. Um, and that's another form of controlling you. They can control your perception of yourself and of what you're going through. They can control pretty much the whole relationship. And, you know, the stress that I experienced afterwards, um, I was at a very, very low point afterwards, you know, and it was through breath work that I really started to help myself. It was through breath work and it was also through telling people my story, talking about how words have power, right? Words not only have the power to destroy, but they also have the power to heal. And that's where we have our power is speaking our truth. And I found, you know, talking about the whole word victim, you know, for a long time, there was shame associated with acknowledging the fact that I had been a victim of verbal abuse. And you hear a lot in the spiritual community, oh, you're not a victim, everything is you, you're not a victim, everything comes from you. I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I think that there's a huge difference between being a victim and having victimhood complex, right? Like, let's call it exactly what it is. And this is another example of how language and words are so important, right? I didn't feel seen and, and I didn't feel like empowered by, by what I had even gone through, 
strangely empowered by it because I couldn't acknowledge the fact or I wasn't being allowed to acknowledge the fact that I was a victim. The word victim literally means the one who was harmed. That's what it means. That's all it means. The one that is harmed. And it is okay to acknowledge that you were harmed by somebody else's actions. That is not synonymous with self-pity, right? So we need to stop likening the word victim to victimhood mentality. There's a difference between acknowledging that you were harmed by somebody, right? Which I think is the first step to healing, Mm -hmm. is acknowledging what happened to you. There was a whole nother wave of release that happened for me once I was able to acknowledge that I had been a victim of verbal abuse, that it wasn't just somebody just saying something they didn't mean. The things that were said to me were things that should never be said to anybody, you know, calling me the C word, calling me a slut, calling me a whore, a prostitute, a trampoline, a shell of a human being, saying that my parents should be ashamed of happen- having me, that the apple fell far from the tree, knowing that my mother had passed away. Like all of these things, all of my deepest wounds and insecurities, right, were thrown in my face purposely to crush my spirit. Hmm. I... I can relate to that very much. And it's interesting because, well, I had one memory that I completely forgot about of one of my, one of verbally and other kinds of abusive relationship, very psychological, also a little bit physical as well that I was in. But um, we were actually at a restaurant and I don't remember what was being said to me, but I guess it was heard by somebody at the other table. And these two men actually walked up to the table and looked at the guy I was with and said, you shouldn't be talking to her like that. And they looked at me and they said, please don't ever let any, please don't let him speak to you like that. Like, are you okay? And they checked on me. They're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And then they left and he got very angry. Of course the, the abuser got very angry, but it was a, it was an interesting moment. And I was actually grateful to them in that moment, even though that didn't, it didn't really do much. But my first, it's interesting because I was thinking about this, knowing that I was going to talk to you. My first sort of abusive relationship that started them all was a verbally abusive relationship. And it was exactly what you just said. It was like he was able to pull my worst fears and insecurities out of myself and he vocalized them back to me. And I completely spiritually bypassed that relationship because I I met this person when I was in India at a spiritual retreat where there was quite a lot of bypassing and weird stuff going on, you know, like happens a lot in the new age spiritual communities. And I was like, oh, it's just my lesson to like, you know, and like looking back on it now, I'm like, no, like this person was abusive. And I, you know, I was, I was taking it and I was, you know, again, I had my role, but, and I absolutely love, by the way, what you said about, and I agree a hundred percent about the difference between between a victim and a victim consciousness. And again, this is where the spiritual community can cause a lot of harm because yes. we are a victim sometimes. If that's, I, I didn't know that that's the meaning, but that that's perfect. You can acknowledge, yes, I was a victim of harm. And that's very different from saying that, you know, oh, I'm constantly, woe is me. And I'm like in victim mode 24 seven. These are completely different, different things. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. No, you're welcome. You know, it, it came through a conversation with a beautiful friend of mine, um, because I felt like many people I was speaking to are just, you know, the the constant sayings that we hear in the spiritual community were actually stifling my healing because I couldn't admit that. I felt like I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I felt like I was 
doing the victimhood thing by saying, no, I'm a victim of this. It would make me so angry, right? I was like, no, like this was wrong. This was an injustice, right? And it's okay to admit that it's an injustice. It is. It is not, it is not fair. Yes, we know life isn't fair. Sure, all those things we hear. But that doesn't excuse any kind of behavior. It's okay to admit that that person is an abuser. And we see this a lot in the spiritual community, right? There's a lot of people that find their way into the spiritual community to prey on people who are wounded or have these insecurities. We see that a lot. A lot of, a lot of spiritual leaders out there can come off great and whatever, but and I'm not saying that they're not gifted. A lot of them are very truly gifted people, but some of them are abusers and they prey on the people that come to them in order to have that control, right? Talking about narcissists, in order to be praised, to be worshipped. They have their whole fan club that thinks they're wonderful, right? And oftentimes they'll cross the line from client to a romantic or sexual relationship in which they are above, above the person that they're dating, right? They're always looking for that hierarchy to be the teacher. Mm. They're showing you the way right? You owe them everything. They taught you everything. We see it a lot in the spiritual community. And like you said, we see a lot of spiritual bypassing. We have to acknowledge sacred rage. We have to walk through that, that, through that fire in order to get through it, right? We can't just say, oh, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Yes, you will be grateful, because of how strong you will become, but it's okay to not be there yet. It's okay to acknowledge that right now, I'm angry that that happened to me, right? If that's where you're at right now. Like I'm not in that space anymore. I'm grateful for the situations I went through because if I didn't go through those things, I would not be able to sit here and talk about it to help other people. I have found gratitude in it now. But I had to be able to admit that I was harmed, aka victim, that's a literal definition of it, first, right? We cannot bypass the reality of our situation if we truly want to heal, right? And being a victim of something does not render you powerless. It empowered me to admit that to myself, it empowered me. It actually helped with a lot of release honestly, to be able to say it out loud. Again, words have power. You have to speak your truth. Speaking in general, right? Just talking energy here can affect a star millions and billions of like light years away or miles away, right? This is how much power your voice has and we have to use it, right? Use your experiences in order to be of service of others. That's what I'm doing here. That's what you're doing here. So we've been having this this channel, right? And this is, this is the power of words and everything in everything there is duality, right? So words can be extremely destructive, but they can also be used for, for healing and for uniting people and for giving those who haven't found their voice yet, the courage to, to use their voice. Not that's what I'm hoping to do through even speaking about this, right? Is to give other people the courage to, 
talk about the things that they're going through, especially verbal abuse, because it is one of the easiest things to hide. There's no marks. There's no visible marks. Nobody will see that this is happening to you, but you'll feel it on the inside. You'll feel it in your mind. You'll feel it in your heart. It will start to manifest in your physical body as anxiety um, amongst a lot of other issues that I've spoken about. Um, so we need to release. I believe in writing and words as one of uh, um, one of the best ways, at least for me, that I've been able to heal through many experiences that I've had. Yeah, writing is, thank you for saying that. Writing is very, very powerful and it's a great, I recommend it to everyone really, just, just writing and like allowing that to come out. Um, but yeah, there's... Yeah, it is. And, and it's true. I think it's really easy to discount verbal abuse and say like, oh, it doesn't matter because, oh, they didn't mean it. But even words and, and, and you touched on this as well. And this is a favorite tactic of certain master manipulators is the joking. Right. And the oh, I didn't really mean that. Or, oh, it was a joke or, oh, you're too sensitive. And that's how they get us, because most of us, the prey, so to speak, are these highly empathic, um, open, loving, spongy type of people. Right. So they already know. And, and often, I, I believe you said this as well, we've actually been targeted already because it's already been seen and recognized, oh, this is the person who's going to probably forgive me no matter what. They're probably too nice. They're going to like all of these things, right? So it's already known, you know, especially if you walk around with your heart on your sleeve, it's important really to have extra boundaries and to just to have the knowledge so that you can look for these red flags in people because, because a master manipulator, as you know, they're good. Like I've had a few in my yeah. life. And again, now that, now that I look back on it, I'm like, damn, they were great teachers. Like I, I can understand so much, but a few of them in particular, they were, boy, they were good. Like, holy moly. And it was very covert. It's like a covert narcissist. You know what I mean? It's not so in your face, but it's a lot through the like subtle jabs and the, you know, joking, those types of things like that. So you may not even catch it at first, but I, I like what you said. And this is very true. You will feel it. If you, if somebody is speaking to you or that you're interacting with somebody and you feel like, you know, your spirit feels it, you know, if you feel that thing in the pit of your stomach or that anxiety or like something's wrong, you, you have to listen to that and, and then start to ask, you know, like if, you know, we're both spiritual people. I know most of the people who listen are as well. You know, that's where you start praying, you start checking in, you really ask to be aware and to, you know, have whatever needs to be shown revealed to you so that, um, because, because it is damaging. And at a certain point, like, yes, these things are part of our life purpose and we need to evolve beyond this. And our role as the empath is to walk away, is to say no, is to put up that boundary where we say, no, I'm not going to, you, if you're going to continue doing that out in the world, I have no control over that because that's your path. But me, I am not going to take in this anymore. I'm not going to allow this in my life. And I believe that every one of us that does that, that, you know, healing is quantum. It, it has a ripple effect. So I already know that what you're doing is, and, and it's, it's important to attack the verbal abuse because it is these subtle things. It's very subtle, but it's, but it's also not, you know, when somebody says these things to you, and this is the problem with words, they don't go away. They will echo in your mind over and over and over again. And even if you know that that's not true, if somebody calls you a piece of shit enough times, you're going to wake up one day and go, I must be a piece of shit because, you know, like that's all I hear is, is a piece of shit. And then by the time you get to that point, it's you're damaged, right? I started to feel like one, right? I started to feel like one. I started to doubt myself. I started to question like who I was. And I had always known who I was, right? I had always known that I was a pretty outspoken, strong woman, very, very sensitive and emotional. I mean, I'm a 
Pisces sun, cancer rising, Scorpio stellium. I have so much water in my chart. I am very, very emotional, right? But that is also my strength, right? Um, And I can feel other people's pain. So I would make excuses for them in the past. Um, And I did a very good job of ignoring my intuition, which I think a lot of us do, because we don't want to believe that people would purposely hurt anyone, right? That's, That's the kind of the gift and the curse of, of the empath, right? It's, we would never purposely hurt somebody that way, right? Call somebody those types of names. And none of us are perfect. I'm sure we've all hurt somebody some way, but to intentionally abuse somebody is, is um, something else. Um, and they do, they do that whole thing of, oh, you're overreacting. I was just joking. Oh, come on. I still love you, silly. That's, that's what they used to do to me. I said, right, the breadcrumbing, that little bit of affection that would make me forget everything else that they they would say, right? Like, oh, I still love you. Knowing, because they knew me, right? They study you first. Knowing that there was some part of me that wasn't loving myself properly. So it was love that I was looking for. And they knew that. So all they had to do was throw around the I love you thing, which they clearly didn't mean because anybody who loves you does not purposely try to destroy you. That is not love. I don't care how many times they tell you they love you. That is not love. And a lot of times, like you said before, if you've experienced abuse of any kind in childhood, and you don't even really have to, but sometimes that is the case. Sometimes it could just be that your parents were working a lot, right? And so you might've had a very large family. So at times you may have been taught that you almost had to abandon yourself in the way that you feel or the attention that you wanted in order to belong in order to maintain harmony in relationships. And so what do we do? We start to abandon ourselves and our feelings in order to try to maintain harmony in our adult relationships. That's what I think it was more for me coming from a large family and my, both of my parents working, right? There'd be like seven kids in a house with two grandparents. How much could they really do for me emotionally as a child? And perhaps maybe I needed more emotional attention being as emotional as I am. Maybe I needed that. But when you're kind of used to that emotional um, self-reliance almost, right? We start to figure out like, oh, I'll be fine. Like you said, I'm so strong. I'll be fine. It's all right. I don't need to, I don't need that. I can handle this no matter what it is. But no, you deserve love and you deserve respect, number one. If somebody isn't respecting you in a relationship, especially with their words, um, like I keep saying, you need to be honest about what you're experiencing. If, if one of your friends told you that they were experiencing this, what would you say to them? Mm. Right? Like, to, let's take ourselves out of the situation. If somebody came to you, with this, what would you tell them? More often than not, we would tell them to leave. Or we would tell them, you don't deserve this. You deserve better, right? But so often we don't take our own advice, right? We, we don't trust our intuition. We abandon ourselves, this whole abandonment thing. And that's part of why we stay is this fear of abandonment. Which is also a parallel. It runs, I, I've had to look at all the parallels of what runs between, like, if we're talking about like the empath and the narcissist, but both of those things are parallel. So you have two people that have a fear of abandonment 
which That's is right. why, which is why they both stay. Right. But I mean, I also just want to back up a little bit to something you said, because this can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone. And I recently, this was confirmed once again to me. Um, I saw somebody a few weeks ago who I've known since I was five years old. I haven't seen her in years. Now she was growing up like the golden child. She always looked perfect, straight A student, got all the lead roles. Like she was just the, you know, and we both ended up talking at the end of our time together about she also ended up in an abusive relationship and is now raising her two children on her own. And I shared a little bit and we were like, wow, neither of us thought that this would ever happen to us and we were told about all this i remember being taught about being in abusive relationships from you know even when i was a child like uh, you know elementary school and high school i remember we were you know started to be educated about that so mentally intellectually i knew better but yet emotionally and this is what gets tricky too is that people are complicated right so somebody it's like the jekyll and hyde thing right somebody can be an incredible person and like you said earlier some people they can have incredible gifts incredible talents they can be incredibly even empathetic and loving when they want to be and then they will just flip and then they do this other thing and this becomes so confusing because that verbal abuse might just be like a 10 percent or a 15 percent of the the relationship which the rest of it might be 80 percent good you know but that doesn't that that also keeps people in that flip-flop going back and forth because it becomes very confusing you're like i don't know what to do like oh i know this was wrong that they said this or they did this but then the rest of the time actually they're fine they're good you know so it gets very tricky so it can be very confusing i think for people to try to break it down yeah like i said you know verbal abuse isn't as clear cut as the other forms of abuse which is what makes it so confusing for people um but abuse is abuse Right. And bullying is bullying. Right. And it, it is a form of bullying as well. Right. Uh, with words. Um, it's about not even not even putting it in, into percentages. I don't care how nice they are. Sometimes if that person is putting you down at all, they need to go. They just need to go. It's like you said about those clear boundaries. And that's where our responsibility comes in to uphold those boundaries. Um, You know, and I made that mistake of not holding up those boundaries, sacrificing my self-respect in order to keep a relationship that did not respect me. Right. So that's where the reflection is, is it's a reflection of where you're not loving you. Right. But you did not cause that person to treat you that way. There's a big difference, right? So th- this is why I don't really like these sayings of everything is you and it's, it's, it's all you. Abs- absolutely not. You do not control the actions of other people. No, you don't. And that is showing you where you're not loving yourself properly. And that's okay. We need to take that on board. And how can we turn that around and love ourselves better and uphold those boundaries, right? Saying like you were saying before, um, why, why we stay, right? And, and separating ourselves. We can still love somebody from afar, right? I, I still love some people who have treated me that way. I still have love for them, rather. I have love for them. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that I want them sitting at my table. That doesn't mean that they need to be a part of my story now. I, I can have compassion for them because there must be a lot going on inside if they feel the need to treat anybody like that. I have compassion for them 
that's a lot of darkness to hold on to a lot, a lot of rage that they probably need to heal and go through whatever there, or even mental illness if we're dealing with narcissism. Right. So that's, I, I feel compassion for them, but I don't have to allow them to be a part of my story now. Mm. Absolutely. I always say that I'm like, you, you can absolutely love people from afar. In fact, sometimes you can love them better. It's like, Oh, I can love you, but you gotta be over there. Like way, 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 way over there, far away from me. And then it's like, ah, I find that sometimes when, once you set the boundary, once it's like you, you kind of kick them out of your space and out of your field and out of your life, then you can actually feel that again. It's like, ah, it's that love, but it's like from over there. But I, I want to back up to something that you said, because this is, this is so important. And this is about the toxicity of the spiritual community and saying everything is me, everything is within. So first of all, I think this is one of the biggest deceptions of like the new age and spiritual movement. And because inside of that, you've completely dismissed creator and spirit or God or whatever it is that you want to call it. Like, it's not all about us. We are not creating everything. There is a bigger plan at play that we don't even, we can't even understand or fathom the grandness of this plan because it actually involves all 8 billion of us on this planet. And then everybody else in the, you know, it's, it's just, it's beyond comprehension. It's, it's creator's will. It's like, so, so beyond, you know? And Right. I can't tell you how many friends and clients over the years that I've worked with and they say, oh, this terrible thing happened to me and it's because of me and I really have to work on myself now. And I'm always like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Just because you have a run in with a toxic person doesn't mean that you attracted that to yourself. And this almost breeds its own other whole other kind of new toxicity where now you have empaths who are already prone to taking responsibility for everything and blaming their self. Now it's like an extra level of that. And I can actually see how because I've been, I got to my spiritual path quite young. Like it started as a teenager. And then by the time I was like 1920, I was like full blown in it. So I've just spent decades like traveling around the world, going to all these retreats. And I've, I've dabbled in and out of so many different of these spiritual new age groups. And now I'm just at this point where I'm like, I, I can't even, like I said to a friend of mine the other day, I'm like, I'm so over this whole light worker thing. Like, I don't even want to hear it anymore. Like, it's, and, it's, and it's not that I don't believe like that many of us are on a mission here to bring light and to be of service. Like, Absolutely. But I find that this whole thing becomes associated for me now with so much toxicity because there's so many very unhealthy people and people with very wrong thinking, walking around thinking all of these things that are actually creating more discord. They're creating more toxicity potentially. And so it's, it's really, yeah, it's, I'm quite There's a thing called toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something that I don't like to deal with. I don't deal with toxic positivity. I do think that we can lift ourselves up. Right. No matter how it is that we're feeling, but we have to be honest. We gaslight ourselves a lot of the time in these communities. We're gaslighting ourselves. Like everything is not rainbows and butterflies all the time. Right. That doesn't mean that it won't get better. It will get better. We learn how to carry these things differently, right? We can learn how to carry things differently. You know, as time goes on, we will carry that load a little bit more sure-shouldered until we eventually want to drop it. If we choose to drop it, everything is our choice in that respect. But no, you are not to blame for, for the ills that other people do. That is not a reflection of you. It's just a reflection of the many possibilities that are allowed to exist in the universe. We don't have to take ownership of that. Life is, is kind of crazy enough. Why do we feel like we have to take responsibility and ownership of that? Our only thing that we need to take ownership of is ourselves 
and how we choose to, re- to react to what happens within our lives. I'm not taking responsibility for the way that person chose to speak to me. That was their choice. And that, that, that was a choice that they made repeatedly. It was my choice that I allowed it. That's where I need to forgive myself or where I needed to forgive myself in order to move past it. But I will never take ownership for the way that that person treated me. Right? It's, it's okay to admit that what they did was hurtful. I don't even like to use the, the words right or wrong, right? Because like I said, everything is kind of allowed to exist, right? Right or wrong is a question of morality and morality is relative to what a person believes in. So it's in constant fluctuation, really, right? There's a thing called like uh, moral relativity. But if it's inflicting obvious pain on somebody, I can't say it's a positive thing, right? Um, And that's their choice, but we need to choose what is best for ourselves, right? Without feeling like we're to blame. Why do we need to make it that much harder for ourselves? I just think it's a lot of toxic positivity that, like you said, actually ends up being more hurtful than helpful. Mm -hmm. Because I kept looking at myself, I kept hearing the same things when this was happening to me. And I kept hearing it and I started to blame myself. I'm like, okay, how is this a reflection of me? I'm like, Bob, how is that like, I'm not that person. I would never speak to somebody like that, right? Like how, how, how I kept taking ownership of their vile behavior. It wasn't mine to carry. It wasn't mine to carry. I had to look at myself and be like, okay, Lucy, you're not loving you right now. Like, where is the self-love here? in order to stand up to this person and say enough is enough. That's, that's what I needed to take ownership of. So we need to stop telling people in a round and about way that they're to blame for everything that happens to them. You have no control over other people. You have no control over anything outside of yourself, right? And the same people spewing that stuff are the same ones telling you that you have no control over anything outside of yourself. So those two things are completely contradictory in my opinion. They are. And those contradictions exist throughout the new age kind of spiritual dogma. And it becomes the more you kind of the longer you're in it and the more aware you become of it, the more holes that you start to see. And I actually think that that is the design of it is that it's designed to keep people spinning their wheels forever instead of just reaching a place where whatever it is, you know, like it's it's. And and life is meant to be like this. It's not meant to be all hunky-dory all the time. Like, we are going to go through things. If you look at the life path of any great being who walked on this planet, they did not have an easy life. They struggled over and over and over again. And this is what I think about. And now, you know, we have so many people in the spiritual New Age community. They're like, look at me. I make all this money and I'm so successful and I just do nothing. I just sit here and I'm alignment and I can teach you how to do it too. And I'm like, (laughs) this is so misleading everybody. Like, just stop. But what they're actually doing is manipulating people, right? And what these abusers are doing is manipulating people. So we have to learn to be really awake and aware to these subtle signs of manipulation. And I was thinking about this yesterday, think about this a lot. A lot of the people who are very successful in the public eye is because they're very good either marketers or manipulators or both. And because we are so accustomed to being manipulated, this is the thing, like because we live in a society and we've been raised in these systems that constantly have manipulated us, whether we are aware of it or not, we've become, it's become normalized. Even the television, whenever you turn on a TV, like they use manipulation to sell products, everything from cereal to like, you know, everything, none of it is 
None of it is clean, right? And so we become so used to this that we get hooked in and pulled in. And so this is why I think as well that, um, you know, so many more people, it, it's very interesting because it does seem to be like there is this um, influx of, you know, there's this huge number more than ever of, you know, narcissists and they seem to be everywhere, right? Well, I mean, we're breeding narcissistic culture, right? Even with all of this kind of social media stuff and, and influencers and all this kind of thing, we're kind of, we're fueling this uh, type of mentality, which I don't think is helping. But, you know, even you touching upon marketing and things like that, most people that are in marketing or PR have psychology degrees, right? So psychology is being used to manipulate us to buy into certain things. And I get it, right? A lot of this positive stuff, it's aspirational. Who doesn't want to be happy and have the the home of their dreams and like all these things? Like everybody wants that stuff, right? It's okay to admit that, that we want to feel financially free, that we want this, blah, 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 right? But not everybody can be famous. Not everybody can be even married or all these other things we've been conditioned to think um, we're entitled to or that we should even as, aspire to, right? Um, all of these kind of gender role constructions that we're supposed to embody or go for, like all of this stuff is completely made up. <laughs> yeah. It's completely made up. It's, you know, it, we're not actually supposed to do anything. We're human beings, not human doings. You know, you just have to be. Yeah, okay, we have to work if we, if we want to pay rent. Like, you know, there's certain things the way that society is uh, created that we do kind of have to do. But like <clears throat> all, this, all this aspirational stuff, it is a complete mindfuck for a lot of people. And I think just kind of adds to more depression. Oh, absolutely. It does. And thank you so much for saying this. I just had mm -hmm. this conversation several times this week, actually, and we were laughing because, again, some of these same people will say, oh, you can create anything you want. You can have anything you want. Now, on one level, sure, this is true. Yeah. On another level, it's mm -hmm. not true at all. And any astrologer will tell you this. Any like, it's all there. Like, if, if you come in to be a ballerina and you really want to be a football player, you can try to be a football player as much as you want. But the car the cards right. are going to be the doors are lined up for you to be a ballerina. You know, and usually, usually our heart's desires will turn us in the direction of where we're meant to go. And because of, again, social media and influence and all this kind of stuff, now people have all these ideas about things that they maybe want to do or think that they can be that maybe isn't their actual destiny. And just like you said, like, not everyone is meant to be famous. Not everyone is meant to be a millionaire. Now, that doesn't mean everyone can't find a place in their life where they're abundant and prosperous okay. and happy and joyful. But that might look for one person that they just have enough money to pay their rent and bills and, and do the things that they like to do every month and they find complete joy in that and for somebody else it might be that they're destined to be a billionaire and you know we don't we don't know what that is so we have to stop judging those things and really go inside to figure out like what is my path you know what is my path destined to be not because I see somebody else doing it and that's what I think I'm supposed to be right which is what I think is happening a lot <laughs> I think no it is it is happening a lot you know um that's why social media as beautiful as it is and how it allows you and I to even have this conversation or to come into contact to speak about important issues like domestic violence and verbal abuse. It can also be really harmful to the psyche, right? There's a lot of people that are very vulnerable um, to things that are 
put out there in front of them or that they're bombarded with. So we really do need to be careful with the messages that we're putting out there. That's where our responsibility um, lies. If we're choosing to use social media to spread messages, we need to be one authentic, right? About our own journey. Um, because we don't know who's watching and we don't know who might be inspired by our story, but we want it to be authentic, right? That's why I talk about the things that I talk about. I don't lace up everything in butterflies and rainbows for everybody. Um, Cause there are some people who are going through it that need to see that somebody else has gone through it too. And that understands exactly where they're at because they've been there too. And isn't just going to put up a post that's all dreamy and wonderful because it elicits a, a false, like toxic positive response for a moment, but it doesn't actually help them find the pathway to healing. Mm-hmm. Right. To say like, everything is you, you know, you, you, whatever, all that stuff, like that stuff did not help me when I was going through what I was going through. Hearing other people talk about their experiences and starting to work with the nonprofit in Puerto Rico for battered women, like finding a purpose for my pain is what helped me. That's what helped me, right? Seeing that I could help other women who are experiencing the same thing is what helped me. Speaking my truth about the ugliness of it at times is what helps me because a lot of times there's shame associated with having gone through this experience, right? Like, how could you let somebody treat you that way? Somebody even said that to me once, like, you must like it. No, I don't like it. I'm in a lot of pain right now, but I don't know how to fix it at that point. I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what to do with that emotion. And instead of holding space for what I was going through, again, there was this blaming that occurred. Oh, you must like it. No, I don't like it. Actually, I'm a mess right now, (laughs) if you can't tell, right? So we need to hold authentic space for people to be honest, one with themselves, and with others, right? With their community about, about what they're going through. That's how we find healing, not by just putting up these, these wonderful sayings, which are really, they're really nice. You know, some of them are really nice, but how do we get to that place where we can start actually manifesting more positive things? I don't care how many positive sayings you put out there. If that person has not healed what is creating some of this turmoil or affecting their choices in this life, they're not going to be able to do that. So we have got to do the dirty work first, right? Which is facing our traumas, admitting what it is that we're going through and, and working towards rebuilding ourselves. Like you cannot, like we said before, spiritually bypass it. Like we can't go from point A to point C without going through B first, right? It's pretty straightforward, I think. It's very straightforward. And thank you so much for saying mm-hmm. with what you just said, because it's exactly what I wanted to ask you about. And mm-hmm. maybe because I think this might help some people who are listening, if they're maybe in a situation with is about the shame piece, because this is so clear to me. And this became so clear in my own healing journey that, and that what happens and not just with verbal abuse, but with anything. So when something's happening that we don't like, whether we're being abused, maybe we have an addiction, you know, the shadow, anything to do with our own shadow. Okay. The parts of ourselves right. that we don't like, we tend to shame ourselves about it. 
it. That's what we do. I hate that. I don't like that. But yet what is actually required is so much self-love and forgiveness in that moment, in those moments, in those dark times. We have to love the shit out of ourselves. Pardon my French, but you know, like we have to love ourselves so much because that is the only medicine that's going to heal that, that, all of that, those shadow, that shame, all of that, because otherwise it becomes a vicious cycle where, especially when we're being abused, we actually start to feel shamed, ashamed because we're being abused. So it's like a double whammy. We're receiving the impact of these words or this abuse that is coming at us. And then we're also feeling ashamed about it. And then we continue to shame ourselves. And then we may also, I've also heard the same thing many times, more times than I can count, especially in spiritual communities, then we may be shamed as well or blamed by the people around us who are supposed to be, like you said, actually just holding loving space for us, which might not, might look like just saying nothing. It might just be like, hey, I feel you and I'm just here for you. And that might be the best that you could do in that moment. And I, I was really humbled in my journey because again, being and it was my journey's been interesting because again, because I came to the spiritual path for so at such a young age, it's like I feel like I'm still growing up in ways that I should have grown up many years ago. But because I was so like woo woo, like out in the, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and she was like, oh, she had her awakening in her. She's like early 40s now, so she was late 30s, and she was saying she's so glad that she had it then because she, you know, she was a very practical person and has all this practical life experience behind her, so that when the spiritual stuff came in, you know. But for me, it was like a little bit the opposite. And so I feel that sort of contributed as well to a lot of this, just not having sort of common sense and being influenced by these spiritual, like, woo woo, like, oh, it's just going to be okay. Like, no, it's not okay. And anyone who's listening, like if you're being verbally abused, if you're being abused in any way, um, please find help, find support. And I was really humbled because I thought as a, as a healer and a facilitator and doing all this work that I've done for like over 20 years now, I thought that I really knew how to hold space for people. And I learned that I actually didn't because when I, and I was very fortunate um, to have a lot of professional support um, at, at one point during my journey when I really needed it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've always worked with healers, but I had actual like counselors and people who are experts yeah. in this. They're experts in domestic violence and they always knew what was going to happen next. And I was like, how do they know? And now I know too, because I've been in it. Right. But I was like, how do they know? And I, I watched how they handled the situation. It was very different than the new age kind of way of handling it. It was very practical. It was very hands-on. It was very knowledgeable. They knew what they were talking about. They had experience with it and it was very sort of practical. So I think it's really important for um, especially healers. Cause I think that's another thing too, like healers, you know, like there's so many people out there now calling themselves coaches, calling themselves They don't actually have the training or the knowledge or the expertise to work with people in certain areas. So that's, that's also an important point too. Like if you need support, go to the people that know how, like how to support this. And there are many, thank goodness. I know you're in the U S I'm in Canada. Luckily there are many support places that you can go for support, whether it's calling a hotline, there's women's shelters, there's all kinds of places. Just starting by maybe picking up the phone and calling somebody to, to, because sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you need to hear from somebody else. Hey, you're being abused because you might not know, right? That's right. It was very hard for me to almost admit to myself that that's what was happening. Um, You know, but upon talking to close friends of mine who have either been in situations like that um, or have counseling backgrounds and things like that, they're like, you understand that this is abuse, right? Um, and I, it was very hard, right, gaslighting myself. It was very, very hard for me to understand 
that that's exactly what was happening. But I had to move into a place of acceptance in order to begin that work, right? And luckily for me, um, I had people like that around, just like you. You know, I had people, but I had to speak up first. Otherwise, nobody would have known because this was done in private. This wasn't done in public. That person knew exactly those people because it was multiple people. They they knew exactly what they were doing. They weren't going to do this in front of my family members or in front of anybody who would be or who would have been in a position at the time to call them out on it because I, I wasn't right. I was so emotionally damaged at that time that I did start to shut down. Right. I just started not even responding. Sometimes I just go numb like that, that happens. And when you, I wanted to bring up a point that you brought up before about how you had had a recent run in with somebody. And even though it wasn't uh, full on like verbal abuse, it felt attacking. Right. And you felt the same nervous system response. This is like almost on the, within the realm of like a PTSD thing, right? Our nervous system remembers what it experienced. So it starts to react the same way. Like this is how damaging verbal abuse is that it, it almost changes our nervous system. And this is where we can begin to help heal ourselves is by healing the nervous system, right? Healing the nervous system. And there are multiple ways to do this. For me, breath work pranayama was amazing for that was amazing for that. I recommend that to anybody dealing with any sort of anxiety, depression. If you are getting out of an abusive relationship and you're feeling a lot of anxiety or depression, anything like that, which are completely normal to feel after abusive relationships, please try breath work. Even if it's just deep dynamic breathing, it helps rewire the nervous system and it helps to tell your nervous system that you are safe. Because what abuse does is it keeps you in a heightened state of not feeling safe, which is so detrimental to your health. It can start to manifest physically in some of the ways that I've already mentioned. It can even travel into your neck and your spine. There's so many things that can happen to you physically if we don't address um, the nervous system issues that unfortunately... um, become a result of abuse. Okay, so there's even pressure point healing you can get into. Um, I'm a huge fan of like chakra healing music. Even if you just do that, that changed my life too, sound healing. It really helped me with the anxiety I felt after finally being discarded um, by the last narcissistic person that I was dating. Um, Because they did the whole discarding thing, um, which I'm sure you've probably experienced as well. And that can be extremely painful, right? Because we're, we're putting ourselves through all of this turmoil in the name of quote unquote love, right? But we need to be honest with ourselves about how we even define love. How are we living ourselves? Um, and just like, like I said, it's about being honest. We have to be honest with ourselves. Stop gaslighting yourself. When we've been taught to gaslight ourselves since we're kids, 
right? Like even when you go through something and their parents gaslight their children without even realizing that they do it. So earliest form of gaslighting, like, oh, it's not that bad. You're fine. So mm -hmm. from a very early age, you're being told that your experience that you're having is not real. And we carry that into adulthood. Like, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, he didn't mean it. It wasn't that bad. Like, whatever. He's just being an idiot or she's just being an idiot because women can be abusive too, right? This isn't just about um, men either. They experience trauma too. We have to be honest with ourselves. Use your voice. Like when, when I started really talking about this and talking about it openly, the amount of other people that said me too, I've been through that too, where women reaching out to me privately and saying like, oh, nobody knows I'm going through this, this and that, like being able to work with the nonprofit in Puerto Rico, like the, th this is where we start healing for the collective, right? Is when we actually start to be honest with ourselves and do the healing within. That's how it relates to what you were saying about how it spreads out to the collective, right? We have to start with us. That's where we're responsible. That's how we start to manifest bigger things is by addressing the self not taking ownership for other people's shit but being honest with ourselves about like where we're really at yeah absolutely and that's something one of my mentors really taught me about too and i think empaths are sort of famous for doing this and why we stay in some of these relationships is that like we think we can heal these people we think yeah. that we can take <laughs> we think that we can take their pain and somehow make it okay but something that i really was uh, i really understand now is actually when you try to take somebody's stuff from them you actually can't heal that from them. You cannot. You got to give it back to them. That belongs to them. You can only you have heal. to let them sit with it. You're you not doing them any favors mm -mm. by trying to take anybody's pain, right? Like even the people that I do um, some healing work with them, I I do not take their pain for them. I hold space for them. I talk them through it. I allow them to say what they need to say. I give them various perspectives, right? From, from a, as an objective point of view as I can, right? Because it's not for me to sit there and judge anything, but just to, to help them navigate it. But we're not helping anybody by doing the work for them. I say this, right? Like nobody has all the answers. I've said this in one of the lives I did recently. Nobody has all the answers. And, and a lot of people, we all need to stop acting like we do because we're all just figuring it out. We're all Bambi on ice. You know what I mean? We're all Bambi on ice. Every day is the first day of us actually being here. Um, some of us have been through certain things already that some people are just kind of finding themselves in. And that's where our experiences can help be a guiding light to somebody if we've already been through it. But essentially, it is not about giving anybody the answers. It's about asking the right questions. That's what it is. That's, that's what I think real mentors and guides and coaches do is we ask the right questions. And then people will find their own way through things by the answers they find within themselves to those questions. Yes, absolutely. And that, that is like the opposite of narcissism because a narcissistic leader or healer or like cult leader or whatever, they're, they're constantly trying to control and influence and tell them, oh, I am the answer to your healing or follow me and I will heal everything for you. And so th those are all, those are all big red flags. 
but um wow what a what a what an honor you're such a um you're 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 brilliant and you're so on point with with all of this like everything you said is just like so so bang on so i know that everyone who works with you um is, is fortunate you. to be able to to gain from your you know unfortunately knowledge gained from from pain but you know we can it, it's there it's so funny after the fact we can say okay like for me i know I know, like, actually, I was crying. I have to have the story. Yeah. If, I ever, if I ever write a book one day, I'll probably start it with, like, me crying in my therapist's office when I'm pregnant, going, my life is over. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> she's like, your life is not over. She's like, this is all happening so that you can help more people. And, for, like, while we're sitting here talking, like, I wouldn't be able to, I couldn't have the same conversation with you right now if I hadn't gone through right. a lot of these things, right? So it's unfortunate that we do you know, go through these things. And I do believe on some level that, you know, we may be signed up for this or it's part of our life path or, or so, something like that on some level, but I also I don't think want it's it. definitely, I think it definitely is personally. Yeah. I, think, I think it is like, I'm into numerology and astrology and all those things. And I can, I can see it in my chart. I see it in my numerology. It just, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. So on some level, um, those energies regardless are, are running through me. Right. As well as me, finding myself or having found myself in these types of relationships. I can see that in my chart also. Right. So I do think I chose this um, on a spiritual level to come to the point where, where I am now and where maybe I'll be in another 10 years, who knows, hopefully doing even more work um, for other women who are finding themselves in this situation. Right. Because a lot of the submission is part of our conditioning as women, which is a lot of what I like to kind of talk about. We need to understand that we are more than the roles that we play in other people's life. We are more than wife, girlfriend, mother, whatever it is. That is all gender role construction. It's completely made up. None of it is real. Um, but a lot of times we stay in these situations because women have been conditioned to identify themselves with the relationships they keep. Mm. Right. And men have been conditioned to define themselves by what they do and what they achieve. Right. So we stay in these relationships because we feel if we keep failing that even that word, if relationships don't work out, we feel like we're failing, that there must be something wrong with us. If we're not married by a certain time, then there's something wrong with us. Right. It's seen as like this complete negative. Why? Why is staying in a relationship something to aspire to? Well, this is all, it's, it's amazing that you said this because I literally also just had the conversation about this too. And I said, mm -hmm. these relationships are like a reflection of the, of the patriarchy, which we've been in. I, I believe in astrology, actually the patriarchy is officially over now. So we're moving into something new, yes, but you know, are. this is all very patriarchal. It's this male dominated manipulative, like the man does, you know, and again, like you said, I don't want to say that it's just, you know, women that are being abused. Men also can be victims That's of right. verbal abuse. And everyone yes. can, but I think as a, and what I see very much more prevalent in my life and, you know, and, and around me is, is it is a lot of women, but it, it can happen to men yeah. too, but it's, it's very patriarchal, whether it's happening to men or women, it's just this idea of like this dominant figure, what I say goes, and I can say and do whatever I want to dominate you. And you're just going to have to take it because you, you know, I'm higher than you and you're lower. So that's that kind of thing, you know, and that's, this is what we have to move beyond. So I really believe that everyone who, who does the healing and does the work again, that's where it contributes to the whole, right? Like healing is quantum. So we heal throughout our own lineage and our own ancestry because there's very good possibility. And sometimes it's really interesting. Like I know that 
people who were adopted or didn't know a lot about their family of origin, when they found out about their family of origin, they found out exactly why a lot of the choices that they had made um, were exactly the same. Like it's, it's actually fascinating. So it's like these things are literally encoded in us, you know, like computer programs. And the good news is, is that we can change the programs. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes some work and some, you know, introspection, but, but it can be done. A hundred percent, you know, and a lot of it is, um, you know, like you said, it's generational trauma. Think, just think of it energetically, right? If we are in our mother's womb and her and her mother's womb and so on and so on and so on, we are literally made up of these people's energy. So we have to think about the things that these people were experiencing, the conditions um, in society that they were born into, right? There's a lot of sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sexual trauma and shame and power dynamics that have been carried out against women over centuries, right? And I think a lot of the women now um, that are coming into womanhood, right, are beginning to awaken to this and to find their power through their womanhood as opposed to assuming the role that many have been conditioned to take throughout life, right? I don't think anyone, I don't think truly any soul wants to be subordinate to anybody else because none of us are. Everybody is the same. Like we all die, we all die, we all are born, like all of these things, right? Like there's really no difference between anybody. So there really shouldn't be this whole man versus woman thing. First of all, masculine and feminine are just two qualities that exist in nature and they exist in all things. So there's got to be a balance. I don't even like the word balance, just a natural flow between the two in all things. And allowing whichever energy is necessary for the situation that comes at hand to present itself, right? We've got to find that flow within all of ourselves. And unfortunately, men have been conditioned not to embrace their feminine side. So so, some of it is, is almost like not even their fault in the sense of their own conditioning, right? We do that to men and to little boys. If they fall down, I'll suck it up, get up, you'll be fine. Not to express their emotions, right? And with girls what do we do a lot of a lot of people in society the first thing they'll do is compliment them on their beauty physical attributes right reducing them to body parts reducing them to uh, physicality and youth as opposed to a lot of other characteristics that are far more important that are more long lasting right it's it's the way we even condition our children that's why we need to start having these conversations with children young so that they don't fall into this type of relationship patterning, that they don't mm-hmm. fall into these uh, gender role constructions they, that, that honestly, I believe are really harmful. They're the, they're, this is what perpetuates these types of relationships. They absolutely do. And like you said, it starts, it starts so young and the conditioning goes so deep that people don't, they don't even see that it's, it's there. That's right. We have to see out of our own conditioning in order in order to even see that that's what's happening. And a lot of people just uh, it's about awareness. Right. That's all. It's just about awareness. It is about awareness. And every the the entire spiritual journey is about awareness. And just um, just one last piece here that I just want to say, too, because we were talking about people doing it on purpose. So they're doing it on purpose and 
sometimes they still don't even realize they're doing it on purpose because it's unconscious because the shadow is always unconscious. So that's why when you call somebody out on their behavior, they will say, oh, I don't do that. Sometimes it's straight up denial and they know, but a lot of times they actually don't because they are so unconscious that they cannot even see themselves for what they are. And they don't want to because somebody who's operating at that level of shadow is going to have to do some really deep work. But I have a lot of respect for people. There are people like abusers and people who have turned around and they will speak about, you know, and you know, people were, were this, and then they, they've had their own healing around it. So I have a lot of respect for people like that. And I I do believe there's healing for everyone. um, That's right. I could agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. I think, and that's where, you know, it goes back to sometimes somebody makes a mistake, a mistake, right? And if they become aware of it and they're actively doing work on themselves to fix this within themselves and find that healing, you know, sometimes maybe that situation can be saved, right? But if that person is not actively working on it and they are just continuing to inflict abuse on you, you have to walk away because I promise you, it does not get better. The boundaries become pushed further and further and further. And the last thing we want is for somebody to end up physically harmed. If they try to leave the situation, we, we have seen that in um, some stories that have happened in Puerto Rico when people try to finally leave those situations after staying there for a prolonged period of time. They have en- ended up murdered. Like, oh, it, globally, um, 38% of murders of women are done by their partners. That is a really big number. It is. And it's usually done when, when they try to leave is a big, as I know, I don't know the exact number, but that is a big piece. And I, I'm aware of that too. So yeah, if anyone out there is listening right now and is in an abusive situation and needs to get out, please seek out some professional help, like seek out the, you know, there's usually a, you know, a helpline or a counselor. You can reach out to me, probably you as well. Both of us. Oh, you can absolutely, absolutely reach out to me. You can reach out Mm -hmm. to women in need PR. You don't have to be in Puerto Rico in order to use any of the resources that we have there. Um, Even if it's just needing someone to hold space or therapy, we're working with therapists and counselors as well. And if you are a man listening to this, they are also holding men's healing circles as well, because we understand that men experience trauma as well. So please, um, your information, of course, will be completely confidential and safe. So you don't have to worry about anything like that. Do not hesitate to reach out because sometimes these situations cannot be healed alone. Yeah, they no, they can't actually. And that was one of the humbling things for me was realizing yeah. like I was very fortunate to, again, I really feel like the divine was guiding my whole journey and so, so many miracles Absolutely. like throughout, you know, that um, I was supported and I was protected and all of these things. And I just want to, we've already wrapped off actually, there's a little story I just want to share. Actually, I met Please. a lady, I, I met a lady a few weeks ago. She was a client and I was doing like a little uh, event of like sessions for people. And she told me this story where she was in an abusive relationship and she had had a male friend in her life that she had met and they were just friends but um she was already prepared to leave the relationship she'd been in it for a long time it was a very abusive relationship I think over a decade I think she was raising his children had some children of her own was really it was not a good scene she was getting prepared to go and she had her exit plan already and right when she was about to go um this male friend of hers said to her well 
do you really want to take your kids and go to a women's shelter? And he's like, because actually, if you want, you can, you can come and be with me. And she thought about it. And I guess she trusted him and she said yes. And they've been together ever since like 30 years. And it's like this total love story. She finally just married him five years ago. She was hilarious. She's like, he asked me for 25 years to marry him. And I said no until five years ago. And it was the cutest story. She doesn't drive. He drives her everywhere still to this day. She doesn't cook. He cooks for her. And so it was this, like, it touched my heart. It was like, what a beautiful story. Like she, you know, and that, but also that's a beautiful story. And also it could be the opposite. Sometimes if somebody sees you in a vulnerable situation, really right. check in and make sure in that situation, it was a blessing. It was a beautiful gift from that's God. Right. And it could also be the opposite. If somebody sees you in a vulnerable situation and tries to get you out, they may, and that happened to me too. And they probably have to mm. use well. And actually it gets worse. It does get worse. Your relationship will get worse. It doesn't get better. It gets worse unless there's an intervention of serious professional help. And that person is actually, and I have heard stories like this too, very few, but it can can happen, um, but only if that person is willing to get serious professional help. But otherwise, what happens is usually after your abusive relationship, your next one will be worse if you don't That's do right. that. And so that's right. like, it's what happened to both of us. We had a series, like a succession of them, right? Until it's that's finally right. like, okay, no more. So because your boundaries become blurred and they become pushed back further and further, right? You become desensitized yeah. to it, right? Like at first in a different relationship, it was the piece of shit thing. And I thought that was bad and pouring water in my face while I was sleeping and all these like weird things, um, you know, and then, I thought I was kind of over that. I had healed from that, right? But did I really? Because then I found myself in a totally different relationship that I thought was better at first that actually was the worst verbal abuse I had experienced in any of them and was more um, consistent in how often the abuse occurred, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it does get worse. You really, I think time alone after a relationship and just with yourself is actually one of the best ways to make sure that your level of discernment is where it needs to be in order to keep yourself safe within relationships and to maintain healthy relationships. Because um, with all that gaslight gaslighting, you begin to not trust yourself. Mm -hmm. You begin to not trust yourself. So it, it becomes, it's, it's very strange. It's like you almost... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's like you almost start to feel like, like, it, like it's a dream. Well, yes. And this is the dissociation. This is the depersonalization. Yes. And this is what happens. It's, it is. It's straight up. You become dissociated because you become so used to normalizing and taking That's right. and enduring various forms of abuse. And this is where, again, sometimes the more so-called subtle forms of abuse can actually be more damaging because you don't see it. Like if somebody punches you in the face, you see it there, you know, you feel it, right. you feel the hurt, you know, okay, this is wrong. I'm hurt. But with some of these other things, you don't know. And then you can't even identify that I am actually in an abusive situation that I should probably get out of. So it, it, it's very complicated, but um So thank you so much. You're, you're incredible. You're brilliant. Um, I, where can people find you if they want to know more about your work or connect with you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at underscore the number two dot feathers underscore. Please reach out to me. You can just throw me a DM if you're going through something or you just want to talk about this topic. Um, we can even hop on a live together if you want. Uh, or if you really do need some help or just some advice, please 
that's what I'm here for. Um, even if it's just to hold space for you or to put you in touch with uh, those of us over at Women in Need PR, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, um, just please know that you have a support group with us if you don't feel comfortable talking to anyone in your immediate circle. If anybody is also willing to share any of their stories, I am putting together a book for the nonprofit, which will be a collection of uh, stories of abuse and how they have risen above it. So that's something I'm actively working on right now. Uh, the proceeds will go to the nonprofit to help them provide services within the community there. I'm looking forward to putting together some events here in New York when things are a little bit uh, safer, I guess we can say. So when that happens, I'll keep you guys posted if you just want to kind of stay in the loop, um, you know, for when those things are going to be happening. So please follow me and follow Women in Need PR. I constantly have posts of, of them up so you can find all the information you need. Wonderful. Two feathers, everyone. Thank you so much. I, and thank, thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you for your like your boldness and your forwardness. And like I respond, I mean, we've been following each other for I don't know. It's like we've been following each other for a bit anyway. And I always enjoy your post, but you were very yeah. direct. You were like, does anyone want to jump on a live? So thank you for saying that because yeah. your action, that was what made this conversation happen. And it's been an incredible conversation. And I, I really hope that it reaches um, somebody that 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 needs it, because I know that this is something that's more people than we know are dealing with. So thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for even providing the space for this um, because it isn't something that is openly talked about as much as, as much as it should be. Like I said, this happens a lot in secret, but you don't have to suffer in silence and you don't have to suffer alone. You have like-minded people here for you. Um, and just thank you. Honestly, I, I feel like this is really important. This is where we can help other people find their voice. Your voice is extremely powerful and we need to begin using it. Yes. Amen. And that, that is exactly what this whole podcast and all this work is about. I'm really trying to, and as I do for myself too, it's my work. I'm very clear about this. I'm like, this is my work too. I'm still always finding my voice. And, and so it, it's big. It's huge. We need, as a humanity, we need to collectively claim our voice and learn to speak for, because so much of what has happened in this world happens because it happens in the shadows. It happens in the silence. And when we start to say no more, and when we even just speaking about our experience, like we said, is, is so powerful because um, right. that, that is what will inspire somebody to say, Hey, I'm not alone in this. And maybe that will give them the strength to make a different choice, leave a bad situation, or just even share what they've been going through. Yeah. This is how we build community and this is how we inspire others. And this is how we also release for ourselves, right? There's so many layers of healing that's happening right now, even us just having this conversation. And that's what makes me talking about this worth it for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Me too. I find, I find so much, I've had such a beautiful conversation and then just knowing, and I know that it reaches people because people will write me and, and they will tell me. So, um, and then of course, like you said earlier, there's so many people who will never tell you <laughs> they will never. And I know this because sometimes years later, people will come back and, Oh, this session that you did or this, that thing, like they, they don't, people don't tell you all the time. So you just, you never know who you're influencing or who you might be supporting because they may not say a word. So thank you so much again. Thank you, everyone. Two feathers. Thank you. Go follow her. And um, yeah, she does lots of wonderful work. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good 
in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.